Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. It is great to sing praises to our God. The writer of Hebrews encouraged us and said, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Praise starts with Jesus. Praise continues with Jesus. Praise will endure forever with Jesus. We know and understand. We're able to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise in and through Jesus. Our God is worthy of our praise, honor, and glory. Amen. He is worthy, and God is at work in our church family. I praise God for our Dollar Day blessing in March. We were able to provide breakfast for 96 different people uh, in March on that Dollar Day, which allowed Pastor Daniel to have multiple conversations with people about God's love for them and how they can get connected in our church family, in our Spanish ministries, and in our English. English ministries. Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. I praise God for our dollar lay blessing in April. Last Sunday, we gave $1,069 for our dollar day in April. Praise God. Each of those dollars will now go towards uh, providing a pizza lunch blessing for the over 1,000 staff members in uh, our Little Elm School District in the month of April. Most importantly, these dollars will go toward allowing us the opportunity to share with all these staff members about God's love for them and our love and appreciation for them as they continue to pour into our students. There's still time for you to exercise your spiritual gift of pizza delivery if you so desire. Uh, and you can join us and help deliver those pizzas on those two days. The information's on the uh, information desk outside. You can check that at the end of the service and join us as we deliver those pizzas uh, in the love of Jesus, with the truth of Jesus, uh, to bless those folks in the name of Jesus. Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. I praise God for how God used Pastor Vince a couple of Sundays ago to preach God's word and to encourage our students and our entire church family during our Disciple Now weekend. Pastor Vince did a great job of preaching God's truth on that weekend. And as I was sharing with Pastor Vince after our weekend, he said this to me, and I asked if I could share it with you. He said, I want to let you know, Mark, he said, I have had the privilege to go and to speak in many different churches and teach in many different churches in many camps. And I want you to know that I have never, ever stepped foot in a church as hospitable as Crossroads Church. Amen. Amen. He said, your church family breathed life into my family's soul. Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. I praise God for how God used Pastor John last Sunday to preach and teach God's word in such an effective way. 
I know you were blessed by God through John, as John reminded us last Sunday about the importance of being salt and light to those who God's placed around us. Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. God is clearly at work in us, through us, and around us. God's work in us is always best for us and those around us. The exciting news is God is continuing his work in us in these moments together as we worship him now through the teaching of his word. So if you have your scriptures, I want you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 21. This is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem years and years ago. It's the day that uh, we know starts and initiates what is known as Passion Week, which includes uh, the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry leading up to his arrest, death, burial, and resurrection. Passion Week is so named because of the passion love Jesus showed to us by his suffering for us. And we know that that Jesus willingly, lovingly, and obediently laid down his life for us on the cross. Passion Week is a fantastic week that we embark on today. Palm Sunday, today, as we focus in on this scene in just a few moments, happened a week before Resurrection Sunday, which we'll celebrate certainly next Sunday. So let's look at Matthew chapter 21. I'll begin reading in verse 1, Matthew's account uh, of this triumphal entry, Matthew wrote, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey in its foal, then they laid their clothes on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him shouted, uh, went ahead of those, those who followed, shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Insert Brother Al's demonstration just a few moments ago as Jesus enters on the donkey. Verse 10, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar, saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Father God, we ask now that you would take these words and that you would pour your truth into our lives. Father, we are ready to hear from you. God, we love you. We have presented our praise to you. Now, Father, we desire to listen to you, and we know that you're at work in our lives, and we know that you have something for us, and we know that we're here on purpose, and we know that you want to change us and make us more like Jesus. We know you want to draw us closer to Jesus, so Father, we now ask that you would speak to us. Make your truth clear. Give us the courage we need to respond in obedience to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. What an amazing scene. What an amazing story. What an amazing Savior. 
Matthew 21. There's a lot of rich truth in this passage. I want us to turn our attention in particular to verse 10 uh, for just a moment. Verse 10, Matthew wrote, when he entered Jerusalem, when Jesus and his disciples entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? When Jesus and his disciples entered Jerusalem. Jerusalem was known as Zion, the city of David, the holy city. Jerusalem was the hub. It was the center for Jewish life and activity, certainly here during the Passover. And so we know that Jerusalem was also going to be the stage where the drama of the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry would unfold. And so Matthew told us when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar. Uproar means that the people in the city were agitated. They were stirred in their spirits. They were moved in their emotions. They were troubled. Uh, there, there was a lot of activity going on in the city of Jerusalem around them. But what we see here, Matthew lets us know, is there was also a lot of activity going on inside them. The people in Jerusalem, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, they were in an uproar. It's all kind of Chaotic stuff going outside, and there was all kind of stuff happening on the inside of these people in their emotions. And we see they were in an uproar saying, who is this? The answer is this is Jesus, the Messiah, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the lamb who is to be slain. This is Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God. This is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, who would save his people from their sins. This is Jesus, the righteous one, who would suffer for the unrighteous ones to bring us to God. The answer to the question, who is this, is this is King Jesus. As we see this drama unfold. What I want us to do now is I want us to look at this passage, and I want to identify some of the responses, some points From this passage, as we look at this scene, this Palm Sunday, years and years ago, and the ensuing Passion Week that was to follow. So we'll look at some of the response of the people, but we'll make some points from this passage that hopefully we'll be able to apply to our lives today and this week. So let's look at the first point. The first point, there was a declaration by Jesus. Don't miss this. There was a declaration by Jesus. Jesus answered the question in verse 10, In verse 3, if you look at verse 3, Jesus already answered the question. Jesus said, uh, Matthew wrote, if anyone says anything to you, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. Say that the Lord, say that with me, the Lord. Say that the Lord needs them. That's a key. That's a key marker right there. The Lord needs them and he will send them at once. What was Jesus doing here? He was making the declaration that he is Lord. Throughout his earthly ministry, up to this point, Jesus declared to his disciples, his followers, the crowds that would follow after him, even to the Jewish religious leaders who opposed him, he declared to them consistently that he was the Messiah. He was the one who the Old Testament said would come to rescue their people. 
to rescue his people from their sins. He continually taught this. He declared this. Now, as Jesus makes his final entrance into Jerusalem, he once again makes this declaration as he tells his disciples, hey, if anybody asks you anything, if they ask you why do you need the, the donkey, just tell them the Lord needs them. Jesus was making this declaration. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming into Jerusalem. I want you to see three points real quick about this declaration. Three points about the declaration of Jesus. Number one, the declaration was public. There was not any need to be quiet about Jesus any longer. If you remember in your awareness and understanding of the Gospels, many times leading up to this point in time, Jesus previously told his disciples, don't say anything about me. My time has not yet come. Go and, and don't say anything. Don't make my ministry public. Now, God's time had come. Now, the time was right. And so Jesus entered Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday years and years ago. He entered Jerusalem with the express purpose to declare and announce publicly for everyone to hear, for everyone to be aware of. There was no reason to be silent. There was no reason to be quiet any longer. He wanted everyone to know their Savior, their Messiah, their Lord, their King had come. It was public. This declaration was, was public for everyone to see and hear. Secondly, we see that the, the declaration of Jesus was clear. Jesus sitting on the disciples' clothes, riding in on the donkey, is an allusion, a reference back to the entrance of royalty into a town from the Old Testament. And so Jesus left no doubts. He left no room for questions. What he was saying is their king is here. The king has come. The Lord is here. This claim by Jesus resulted in the cross of Jesus. This claim by Jesus resulted in the cross of Jesus. You know, it's one thing to make a bold claim. It's one thing for a person to make a bold claim, but it's something completely different to fulfill that bold claim. And Jesus fulfilled his bold claim that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, God the Son, God in the flesh, the King, the Lord. He fulfilled this bold claim in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we see this declaration from Jesus. It was public. It was clear. But it was also humble. It was humble. Notice, as we read in this passage, Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey, not in a chariot. That's a big difference. Jesus entered Jerusalem, get this now, dressed not in royal robes, but sitting on his disciples' clothes. He was sitting on his disciples' clothes. He wasn't dressed in royal robes. He didn't ride in on a chariot. He rode in on a donkey. We know that the crowds of people had taken their clothes off and they were laying their clothes around. And they were even taking palm tree branches, as John told us. And they were cutting off palm tree branches and they were laying the palm tree branches on the ground. And they were singing Hosanna as Jesus entered. But we see in his entrance, not only was it public and it was clear what he was doing and what he was saying, but it was also the humility of Jesus was on full display. The humility of Jesus. Think back 
with me. The humility of Jesus was on full display from the start. Remember that manger scene in Bethlehem years and years before? The humility of Jesus was on display from the start of his earthly life and ministry through to the finish of his earthly life and ministry. And so we look at this declaration, and what I want us to see here is to just for a moment take note of this, and I want to challenge each of us. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to declare Jesus to others, right? Or we're to declare Jesus to others. You've been hearing a lot about that in the last two Sundays. As followers of Jesus, we're witnesses for Jesus. What a great passage, what a great point for us to understand our declaration about Jesus to those God places around us is to be public, it's to be clear, and it's to be humble. We're to publicly share and tell others about Jesus, what he's done for us, because he can do the same for them. We're to be clear about Jesus. We're to be clear as we tell them about Jesus, and then we're to be humble, sharing about Jesus with gentleness and respect with those that God's placed around us. First point, look at the declaration by Jesus. So I want you to the second point, and that's the verification about Jesus. The Old Testament prophets prophesied, we know this, you know this about your understanding of the Word of God, the Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Savior, the Messiah, who was to come. And Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, once again, he taught, and as he taught, he would oftentimes refer to the Old Testament Scriptures. And he would use the Old Testament Scriptures to say, I am the Messiah, I am the one who was to come. And so we know that the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem here on Palm Sunday was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. It verified what these Jews had learned as they had grown up, what they had been taught from the Old Testament. There's great verification for us here. For example, I'll just share a couple. We know that Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. Listen to this. This was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before this Palm Sunday. Look what Zechariah uh, prophesied. He said in, in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, he prophesied and wrote in Isaiah 62 in verse 11, look, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, look, your salvation is coming. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. Matthew quoted these two prophets and their prophecies in verse five of Matthew 21. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118 in verse 25 and 26, Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed from the house of the Lord. We bless you. Matthew quoted the psalmist in verse 9. And so we not only see the declaration by Jesus, but we see the verification about Jesus. John told us in his gospel account, of the triumphal entry. Each of the four gospel authors, uh, by the way, uh, included in their gospel the account of the triumphal entry of Jesus. 
And so we gain a lot of information as we look at these accounts side by side. John told us in his account of the triumphal entry of Jesus on this Palm Sunday that the disciples didn't quite understand. They didn't fully understand the signs and the prophecies and all that was happening at this time until after the ascension of Jesus into glory when they received the Holy Spirit of God and then everything started to become clear to them. And we know how they then lived their lives from that point. Sold out for Jesus and becoming martyrs for Jesus. Here's the good news for you and me. We have the verification about Jesus right here in our hands. We see from cover to cover, beginning to end, Old Testament and New Testament. We are reading and watching, and the verification that we see here, this word is true. We see the verification in the word, as Luke told us, that there are many convincing proofs that there is a whole lot of evidence that this word is true. That what God has said is true for you and for me. And we can build our life on the absolute truth of the word of God. We have the verification today from archaeology. We have the verification today from internal evidence and external evidence uh, that looks at the scriptures. There is more evidence to believing in this word and this truth of God's word than there is to not believe. It almost takes more faith to not believe what this word says than it does to believe it. Because the verification is overwhelming. And so we see now, today, this declaration by Jesus and this verification about Jesus really should fire us up as followers of Jesus, right? It should fire us up. I mean, this is amazing truth that we're looking at this morning, that we get to celebrate. And this day, this Palm Sunday that we celebrate today, this entrance in Jerusalem literally happened a couple of thousand years ago. And so we're able now to look at this scene. The third point I want us to see is the expectation. There was an expectation of Jesus. There's an expectation of Jesus. As you look at this passage, and as we go deeper into this passage, and then as we continue on through Passion Week, we notice and realize that the people here that we're talking about, that Matthew is writing about, the people here had an expectation of Jesus to be a military and political leader for them. They were expecting this Messiah, this one who was to come in the name of the Lord, to be a military, a political leader. Luke told us in his gospel account of Palm Sunday that the people praised Jesus as he entered because of the miracles they saw Jesus perform or that they heard Jesus had performed. John told us in his gospel that the people that we're reading about here that were in an uproar in the city, the people who were praising the Lord as he entered, the people, they, uh, they praised Jesus, they followed Jesus, they went out and met Jesus and, and followed after him. In part, many of them were with Jesus from the time he raised Lazarus from the dead. They saw that literal miracle that he raised Lazarus from the dead. So the people that were seeing in Hosanna, the son of David, they were hopeful, they were thinking that Jesus is going to be our political champion, he's going to be our military conqueror, and he will deliver us from the rule of Rome. And we'll be free to do what we want, the way we want, when we want. 
We no longer have to worry about being under the control of the Roman authorities and have all these Roman soldiers everywhere. We'll be able to rule. We'll be able to live the way we want to. We will be autonomous. And the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, were so upset at this point, and they were confused as well. They were so upset that the scripture tells us they literally said to themselves out loud, look, the whole world is going after him. They were upset. They were like, man, the whole world is going after him. Nobody's following us anymore. All these Jews are following this Jesus now. We've lost all of our popularity. We've lost all of our authority. They were upset. There was this expectation of Jesus to be this military political champion, ruler to deliver them. And so the praise from the people as they were singing, follow me now, the praise from the people as we see in Matthew 21, as they were singing, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These people who are singing these praises, their praises were not from their understanding and excitement that the Messiah, the Savior, their Lord King Jesus had come to save them from their sins. That was not the reason they were praising they were praising because they had the expectation that he was going to deliver them from Rome. And when Jesus did not meet their expectation of him, they quickly turned away from him. Notice the people who were singing and shouting Hosanna to the son of David on that Palm Sunday which means save us, Jesus, help us, Jesus, Hosanna. Save us, Jesus, help us, Jesus, deliver us, Jesus. The, the people who were shouting Hosanna to the son of David on that Palm Sunday were the same ones who would shout crucify him days later. The same ones who would shout crucify him, release Barabbas to us. Crucify him. He didn't meet the expectation that they had in their minds. I think there are times when we are like the people in the crowds here that we're reading about. We have expectation of Jesus. We place expectations on, on Jesus and we will praise him and follow him as long as he meets our expectation. As long as he does what we want, when we want, the way we want. We'll praise him. We'll follow him. We'll get involved in service to him. But the minute Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. When Jesus doesn't answer our prayers when we want or the way we want, when Jesus doesn't change our circumstance, when he doesn't change the person that we're dealing with, when he doesn't change ourselves, when he doesn't change our situation, when he doesn't change the situation we're in, 
when he doesn't fulfill our desire, the way and when we want our desire for fulfilled, we get angry with Jesus and we turn away from him quickly. We turn away. We get angry. And then we go running after trying to take care of making that change ourselves. Which ultimately makes whatever that situation is exponentially worse. See, these people were convinced here on this Palm Sunday that what they needed most was a political leader, a military conqueror. But God, our sovereign, great and gracious God knew what they needed most was a savior. And Jesus came to be their spiritual savior, redeemer. And so we can trust today, as we look at this passage, we understand and know that we must monitor the expectations that we have of Jesus because we understand and know he does what is best. He knows what is best. And he longs for us to run to him and to trust in him and to lay all of our expectations and our cares and concerns before him so that we can grab on fully and completely to him. And so we see that there was a declaration by Jesus, this verification about Jesus, the expectation of Jesus. We also see that there was opposition to Jesus. I mean, Satan tried and failed but nonetheless tried to stop Jesus from fulfilling God's plan at every step and point in the life and the earthly ministry of Jesus. We see this throughout the testimony of Palm Sunday. We see it throughout the testimony of the Passion Week. You know as well as I do, Pilate tried to avoid Jesus at the recommendation of the wisdom of his wife. He tried to avoid Jesus. He tried to get rid of Jesus. Pilate continually tried to push Jesus onto the other Roman leaders. You deal with them. You, you take care of him. Take care of him. The crowds and the Jewish religious leaders mocked Jesus and, and ridiculed Jesus. The soldiers, they beat Jesus. They spit on Jesus. They mocked Jesus. They ridiculed Jesus. They nailed Jesus to the cross. We know that the the disciples deserted and denied Jesus. The Pharisees in particular resented Jesus. They resented him with a passion and all that was happening surrounding him that we see as we study this Palm Sunday entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. In Luke's account of Palm Sunday, Luke wrote, and he wrote about the resentment that these Pharisees had for Jesus. In Luke chapter 19 and verses 39 and 40, here's what Luke recorded. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, so the Pharisees were Jewish religious leaders, the teachers of the law. They told Jesus, they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Ooh, that's what you call one fine answer. The Pharisees were upset. They resented the attention Jesus was getting. 
they were, they were very resentful. And so they went to Jesus and they said, hey, Jesus, rebuke, which means silence the praise from your disciples and followers. Silence them. Shut them up. Because all they're doing is drawing more attention to you and more people are following you and coming after you. And that means less are following us. And Jesus said, listen, if I were to silence my disciples, it wouldn't even matter because the stones would cry out. What was Jesus doing? He was making this declaration once again. And the declaration was this. Jesus was saying, I'm Lord of all. And I'm worthy of worship from all. You see, the created points to God and the created praises God. Jesus was Lord of all and he's worthy of worship from all. Jesus was familiar with opposition. He was familiar with opposition. He was familiar with rebellion against him. And Jesus told us, if the world opposed me, the world would oppose us. He gave us a heads up. He said, listen, as my follower, you need to understand this. The testimony, the gospels, in large part, is is continual opposition and rebellion against Jesus from so many. And Jesus said, if this happened to me, it'll happen to you as my follower. Praise God, we can rejoice this morning because since Jesus overcame, we can overcome. Amen? We can overcome. But we need to be aware and alert and understand there was a declaration of Jesus. There was a verification about Jesus. There was an expectation On Jesus, there was also opposition to Jesus. And I want you to see the fifth point that we see in this passage in there is simply this. There is victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. I have victory in Jesus. Say that with me out loud. I have victory in Jesus. Say it again. I have victory in Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, I have victory in Jesus. Go. You and I, we have victory in Jesus. Listen, we know about the story of Palm Sunday. We know about the story of Passion Week. We know about the truths of the resurrection of King Jesus. Jesus entered Jerusalem on purpose, not by accident. Jesus entered Jerusalem to fulfill God's purpose for his life. Jesus entered Jerusalem according to God's plan. Jesus entered Jerusalem fully aware of what was to come. Jesus entered Jerusalem in perfect obedience to God. Jesus entered Jerusalem to fulfill his earthly mission. Jesus entered Jerusalem to fulfill his words to us throughout the gospels, such as for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, so that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full. I have come to seek and save the lost. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, but not what I will, God. Your will be done. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. I want you to understand, Jesus entered Jerusalem to die. 
That was the purpose. He entered Jerusalem to die in our place. He entered Jerusalem to sacrifice his life for us. Jesus entered to Jerusalem to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus entered Jerusalem to satisfy God's demand for a perfect and holy sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect and unholy could be made right with a perfect and holy God. Jesus entered Jerusalem to take our place on the cross and pay our price for sin with his blood that he shed for us. Jesus entered Jerusalem to take my place on the cross and pay my debt for sin by the blood he poured out on the cross for me and for you. Jesus entered Jerusalem so that by his death, burial and resurrection, we could have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God, a personal, a passionate, a permanent relationship with God. Jesus entered Jerusalem to show and to save us by his amazing, delivering, empowering, forgiving, freeing, rescuing, loving, saving grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. This is not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that we don't boast. We are saved by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and through his finished work on the cross of Calvary. Listen, we understand and realize Jesus entered Jerusalem for you and for me on this Palm Sunday years and years ago. And we know the end of the story, there is victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. There is victory in Jesus. There is victory. There's victory in Jesus. See, you and I, as followers of Jesus, stand before God, forgiven by Jesus. We stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus. We don't stand before God according to our works for Jesus. We don't stand before God clothed in our abilities. We don't stand before God clothed in our baptism. We don't stand before God clothed in the fact that we come to church. We don't stand before God clothed in our parents' church membership and how they brought us to church or how our friends got us to church or how we just made it into church miraculously. No, we stand before God, right with God, welcomed by God, forgiven by God in Christ Jesus, wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. And what I want us to see this morning as we look to the rest of this week, every step Jesus took, every decision he made, every chop of blood that he shed was to give us victory. He entered Jerusalem to give us victory over sin, to give us victory over Satan, to give us victory over fear, to give us victory over worry, to give us victory over loneliness, to give us victory over temptation, to give us victory over sorrow, to give us victory over grief, to give us victory over doubts, 
to give us victory over our questions, to give us victory over confusion, to give us victory over discomfort, to give us victory over discouragement, to give us victory over disappointment, to give us victory over death. Jesus entered Jerusalem to give us victory. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who believe in Jesus and have received Jesus by God's grace that rescued us from our sins and brought us into the family of God by our response of faith in Jesus Christ, what is our takeaway? Our takeaway today, our application today is simple. We are to follow Jesus We are to confess our sins to Jesus and repent from our sins. We are to rejoice in Jesus. We're telling others about Jesus. But I want you to hear this. We are to walk in our victory in Jesus. When we consider Palm Sunday, and the Passion Week that followed, and on this Sunday, as we look to next Sunday, to the empty tomb, to the glorious news of the resurrection, we understand it makes no sense for us not to walk in our victory in Jesus. It just doesn't make any sense. And yet the reality is, so often we find ourselves walking in discouragement or defeat. And Jesus knew this. And it was because of this that he entered Jerusalem for you and for me. So that we, in our weakness, could reach out and reach up. And we could once again walk in our victory in Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our ministers, our our pastors are going to come. They're going to be at the front. And they would love to encourage you, to pray with you, to be a blessing to you in any way. The altar's open as it always is to come and kneel and, and to do business with the Father and cry out to Him. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if, if this past week or maybe this weekend or maybe even yesterday or today, you're in the midst of one of the, the battles that we deal with as, as Christ followers with discouragement or with defeat or with fear or with anger or with worry or whatever the case may be, I want you to understand, Jesus said years ago, tell them the Lord, the Lord needs them. The Lord has come. There is victory in Jesus. He has victory for you this morning. We don't fight from victory or for victory. We fight from victory because we've already won the victory in Jesus. We are victors in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you, my brother, my sister, let's just cry out to the Lord. Let's run to Jesus. Let's remain in Jesus. Let's let's rely on Jesus fresh and new. Confess those hurts, those sins, those disappointments. Get it out. He knows. Confess them. Allow him to cleanse you and to fill you and to 
pour his grace and strength, his wisdom into you so that you will be able to get up and walk in his victory. Listen, we know there's going to be challenge. We know there's going to be opposition. We're going to face opposition. That's in the scripture. Jesus entered Jerusalem so that we would not be overcome by that opposition, but that we would be able to walk in victory in and through that opposition. Listen, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, we would love to introduce you to Jesus. What a, what a great day. Say yes to Jesus. This is the day of salvation for you. We would love to introduce you to Jesus, tell you how you could enter that personal, passionate, permanent relationship with God by responding to the grace of God at work right now by your faith and trust in Jesus. God's moving, speaking. Let's respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and let's worship him together.